0: Aquarian Age podcast. This is your host, Emily Trinkis, and I recently had the great pleasure and honor to talk with Matt Roski of Cultivate Elevate. Matt has been a pioneer in researching and bringing to light lost technologies that are in harmony with the earth and that we can work with to create greater health and abundance in our lives. I've been following Matt's work for the past several months, and I've learned so much useful information from him, most notably about electroculture and the healing benefits of copper. A few weeks ago, Matt did a video about Tesla technology, and he mentioned a book, Tesla's Lost Inventions, written by my father, the late George Trinkus. This synchronicity emboldened me to reach out to Matt for an interview, and he kindly agreed. I really appreciate Matt's groundedness and clarity and all the practical, mind-blowing information and perspectives he shares. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome, Matt. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. I'm such a huge fan of your work and really excited to dive in with you.
1: I'm happy to be here and happy to chat about all kinds of things.
0: Great. So I wanna start with, how did you get started questioning everything and investigating lost technologies and alternative history?
1: So it kind of started when back in, I mean, back in 2019, I did an Akashic reading uh, with a lady named Angel, and we went through all the different past lives that I pretty much kind of faced. That's what she was telling me. And during that time, she was telling me that I was very connected with technology, very connected with the energy from Venus, very connected with, you know, creation and like all these different types of um, almost like... uh, Devices, which could, you know, be like almost kind of like anti-gravity. And it was interesting when she mentioned all of that, because as she ended the Akashic reading, she was basically telling me I should look into crop circles. Mm -hmm. And she said, when you get into learning about crop circles, you're kind of just kind of, you'll you'll get it. And I was at that time, I was like crop circles. I'm like, I don't know what that's going to teach me. You know, it does. I don't know where that's going to lead me. And she's like, just go look at them and you will find, you know, like, the information from them, and she, she she said you'll be able to read them. So I thought, okay, well, I, I guess I'll go look at them. So I started looking at them on the UK website. They show like all the crop circles for the last, I think it's like ten years. And it was funny because when I got into the crop circles, Google was instantaneously trying to debunk them, trying to say that they're all false and fake and everything else. But it was interesting because as I started to look at them, I started to notice that they kind of look like certain things related to the planets, related to alignment. Some of them look like designs, almost like, you know, in my opinion, Mother Earth is trying to communicate to us. And that's kind of what I saw from it. And it led me down a ton of different rabbit holes. You know, it led me down to a book called Pyramid Power by Mary Hardy, where she describes the, the energy of the pyramids. It led me into Victor Schauberger's work. It led me down into electroculture's work. It led me down into, you know, all of these things about kind of like the creation of Dale Pond and all of his inventions, John Keeley and the ether, you know, everything that just how everything is connected on a vortex spectrum, and it was just very fascinating to get into all these topics. But one thing led to another because even us sitting here talking, you know, it led me to your father's book on the Tesla coils and everything else, and. It's just interesting because as I would find information on one topic, the back of the book would lead me to a whole bunch of other books and a whole bunch of authors and all these other people. And as I would kind of go down, you know, the rabbit hole of exploring the back of the book, I would find so much more information and think, this is beautiful. You know, this is wonderful. This is what everybody should be learning about, you know, rather than what we've been taught. But it started with an Akashic reading and it's led to, I don't know, the collection of so many books at this time. And then just trying to connect the dots to understand the ether, the static fields, the orgone, the chi, the prana, you know, all these different words that you can call it, but this beautiful energy that's all around us.
0: Wow, that's amazing that it makes me think of how, like, when we're on path, all these synchronicities just start opening up and guiding us in All uh, exactly where we need to go, right, in this mysterious uh, unfolding, and I'm really struck that you said that you were told you were connected with the energy from Venus, because as you may be aware, copper is the metal associated with Venus.
1: Yes, yes,
0: yeah, when you (laughs) get
1: into the energies of, you know, of copper, you get into the work with Venus and how they go hand in hand. And it's just yeah, like i it's it's drawn to me, you know, I drink out of a copper cup i've I've talked about the copper benefits the soil with gardening and the electroculture. I've done different things where I wear copper on certain parts of my body. you know, I got into a lot of George Lakovsky's work where he was wrapping people in copper and getting rid of all their inflammation and pain, and it's just yeah, it's it's interesting, <laughs> like it just gravitated towards that, and then I started collecting different copper pieces and different stones. Uh, malachite, azurite, you know, all these beautiful stones, which have that copper inside of them. And every time I would hold them, yeah, I could just feel this like electrical charge running through my hands. So Mm -hmm. it's just interesting how, you know, it's stuff we aren't taught about. And that's kind of, I feel like why we're talking about it today. But, you know, because most of the time it can be disguised as woo-woo or quackery or pseudoscience, you know, the terms of Rockefeller education. But when you really start to connect the dots, it's really interesting that copper always follows too with energy or anything related to free energy as well. Whenever I look at a lot of the patents and all this information, you know, copper is always there. It's always the metal that is present. Mm -hmm. They don't use a lot of other ones. And I really think that has to do with that beautiful energy that comes from Venus and the power of copper.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, Venus being associated with fertility and abundance and also In the Greek uh, story, Greek myth, nothing could manifest unless Aphrodite, Venus was present. And so I just think about, you know, my garden that is now blessed with these copper coils and is going gangbusters. (laughs) I just, I can't even believe how much life force there is this thriving abundance in my garden from these copper coils and because of you i am also now using a copper kettle and i just ordered a copper bracelet so yeah amazing Um, that akashic reader was very right on and i also love the timing of it because it seems like if 2019 was this big opening and awakening then you were in a really good position for what came at us in 2020
1: well, yeah. And that's that's what's funny how it worked, because, I mean, in the in the past, you know, I studied things related to like the electromagnetic frequencies and all the stuff that, you know, is constantly going on on our planet and things like that. But this, you know, just kind of took it to a whole nother spectrum because each book would lead to another, you know, and even like you were talking about with the gardening and the electroculture, you know, dabbling into that with Victor Schauberger and all his work with copper and understanding that everything spirals creates you know energy and like you said, the fertility and creation, but it just all led on this interesting path and and that was a time in which I was just sitting reading you know nonstop, you know, as many books as I can, trying to absorb the information and then understand it because when you're reading from different people, you have different perspectives and you're seeing different sides and then trying to piece it all together, and it all just kind of led me like I was saying back to the to the power of copper and the benefits that come with it and and then it started leading me into all these rabbit holes of how they got rid of copper pipes and copper plumbing and like you just said copper cups and how people cook with still cook with copper you know all these things that we just kind of almost like forgot because these other materials like dupont plastic or all this iron 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 have has pretty much taken the place you know and we really have to go back to our roots and i and in my opinion the seven sacred metals because those all play a very large role in everything on the earth.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, and it seems like not only did, you know, copper get replaced with plastic, et cetera, but copper is demonized or we're told that copper is actually dangerous to use as cookware.
1: So they, they've, they've pushed the narrative quite a lot. And I've noticed that was when this whole copper and lead act began It's a very interesting act. It was basically to reduce the copper in the water and the lead in the water. That's what they were saying. But what I found fascinating was that I found so much. I went to a a copper museum in Clarkdale, Arizona, and everything was made from copper. I mean, pans, cookwares, dishes, ovens, stoves, distillers, you know, the holy water devices, like everything was made from copper. So if the copper toxicity is, as we were told, then all of that would have taken out all the people, you know, back at that time. Now, the other interesting thing, too, is when we go back in time, 1920s, 1930s, a lot of people had copper pipes and also people had lead pipes and they still have copper and lead pipes to this day. There's over 25 million Americans with both copper or lead pipes. So, you know, when it comes to the toxicity that we've been told from these things, There's a great book, I think it's called The Copper Revolution by Jason Hamel, where he talks about the benefits of copper. But if copper was as toxic as we were told, then I think a lot of us would have been gone a long time before we even get to kind of create this podcast. And then on top of that, you know, the, the issue that I think that's always missing is that the toxins in the terrain, such as fluoride and all these other chemicals or runoffs or all these different things, you know, those are never pointed as the blame. It's interesting that copper is pointed as the blame and, and it's fascinating because when you look at the legends of copper, they used to get use it to get rid of inflammation. they used to use it to, in, to help heal the skin, help heal the brain, you know to turn on the electrical conductivity of the body. So it doesn't make a lot of sense and, and like you said, it gets it gets demonized. and I've realized that a lot of things that get attacked, usually end up becoming actually the truth on the other hand. You know, it's quite the opposite of what we've been told. But for the most part, you know, it's it's very fascinating when you get into all of this stuff because there's so many things in which we are shown one thing. But in reality, I've realized it's another thing, you know, and I think the copper piping plays a really big one on the whole fact that copper can actually block radio frequencies. Mm. So they're not going to want people to have copper pipes in their homes because it's going to protect them from these radio frequencies they're trying to put across the terrain. Mm. Versus if they have plastic pipes, then those cop, then those radio frequencies can come into the house. So, you know, it's, it's very interesting. And I went into a bunch of rabbit holes on this one. And it was mind-blowing because almost all the homes used to have copper and lead pipes. And then you would think if the, if it was as toxic as we were told, then wouldn't all the people be gone? You know, it just, it doesn't add up. And I think that's the the questions we have to ask on this topic.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and I've heard you also talk about lead paint and that having lead paint would actually be protection from those frequencies as well for the harmful yes. frequencies. Yeah.
1: Yes. So the, the lead paint is another interesting one too, because so the whole lead thing, it's its fascinating because when I was getting into lead and understanding the pencils that they used to tell us were made out of lead, if you look into it, there's actually no lead in the pencils. It's just graphite.
0: Hmm. And
1: it's a graphite com- combination with some other toxins that they put in the pencils instead. So people were actually suffering from graphite poisoning rather than lead poisoning. And then when you get into the lead piping You can just if you type into Google, you know, how many states have lead pipes, you'll see that it comes up that 25 million people are still being still getting water from lead pipes. And it's almost like two thirds of the country, actually. And it's all these different states, you know, so if the lead piping was the the issue, then those pipes would be serving all these people and poisoning everybody every day, which to me doesn't add up. And then when you get into the lead paint the lead paint could actually block the radio frequencies that was coming into the house now they said that you know children and people were allegedly eating paint chips that's what was causing this toxicity but the part that's always left out and i think this is a part to remember is that paint itself can contain up to 13,000 different chemicals so you know if we point the finger at the lead then they get rid of the lead, which is almost like a safety standpoint for us to actually protect us from these frequencies, while those 13,000 chemicals are still in all the other paints today. So they would say that the paint was causing the problem, but they're not going to talk about those toxins. This is similar to the fragrance industry. It's the exact same thing. There's a special loophole where they don't have to disclose things. So when the whole lead painting thing became, it came about the 1970s when the first rollout of the cell phone was actually rolled out. And these frequencies started to penetrate the home. And it was interesting because they started it with the lead gasoline. That's how it all kind of began. They started putting lead into gasoline around that time or cranking it up. And then they said when it was burned, it was causing toxicity in the air. Now, remember, there's also a lot of chemicals in there too as well, which are also being burned up into the air. And lead gasoline has been used since the 1920s but only during the 1970s did it start to cause toxicity. Still to this day, there's still airplanes that use lead gasoline, but they banned it for the cars. So see all these things that don't really kind of add up to the story that we were told, because if it was the toxicity that we were told, then how come airplanes are still using it? You know, and shouldn't that be illegal? It doesn't make any sense because they're flying up in the air and and putting the stuff into the air. So when I look at it, I look at things you know, from every different angle, and a lot of the stories just don't add up to what we were told, and I think that a lot of it has to do with, like I said, the radio frequencies that are coming into the house, and the book The Zapping of America or The Invisible Rainbow by Arthur Fistenberg go heavily into this topic and how when these are entering into the home, they can be toxic, so it's important to be aware on this on this topic.
0: Mm hmm. So I have read The Invisible Rainbow, but I've never heard of The Zapping of America. Do you know the author of that book?
1: Uh, oof, I can't remember his name, but I think he's the guy who basically he administered himself to become a test dummy for cell phones. Yeah. And it was pretty, pretty crazy. The results that happened to him wow. when they decided to do all the testing on him. But it's mm-hmm. I believe it's called The Zapping of America.
0: Okay, I'll look that up. Um, and so it seems like what gets left out and may, and I think this relates to our being in an inverted world. I, I keep saying we're living in the upside down because it's it's opposite day, every day. Everything's the exact opposite of what we've been told. And it seems like what always gets left out is the energy, is the the frequency, um, because we are in such a hyper materialist culture that pretends that things like cell phone radiation or you know, any of the electric frequencies don't matter and don't have an effect. So they have to be blamed on something physical and tangible. Um, and then of course, that that's also the solution to so many things like to connect with the ether and to work consciously with this invisible force that our ancestors used to know about and work with and get free energy from.
1: And I completely agree with you on that because that's what what you just described is exactly what we face. You know, they always tell us that germs are jumping all over past 8 p.m. And yeah. that, you know, stay in your house because the germs are going to get you past 8 p.m. And they've made it into this illusion that the germ is, you know, the danger. And it's interesting because, you know, when a person is born, they go they're, you know, they go through a ton of bacteria. And if germs were really causing illness, then we would be gone long time ago but like you said the alteration of our terrain is can impact our health and you know the people like you just mentioned who are connected to the ether and understanding that ether was before einstein and I think that's an important one to know. Like Einstein started changing everything. He started getting rid of the terminology of ether and debunking it. Mm-hmm. And as ether was debunked, then they started saying, oh, you know, this is we're going to go to electricity. This will be better and this will be safer and all these other things. But in reality, it's quite the opposite. You know, when you look at the the the, the previous times, you see that like when you get into the work of the dynamos and the 1880s and all the dynamos from the 1850s. You see that they worked with magnetics; they understood magnetism, and that's where even electroculture leads you into magnetism and how magnetism is the is a much safer way to you know harness this beautiful ether all around us and is very beneficial. I mean, you see people healing with magnets all the time and doing magnetic therapy because it's the same polarity as the body. Versus when we're using all this, you know, sixty hertz, or or I should 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 say sixty cycles per second. But 60, you know, cycles per second, AC, DC, all the other stuff and everything else, it's it's a very different world. And it just it's fascinating when you get into all of this because, like you said, it is quite the opposite of what we've been told with a lot of things. And if we take it at face value where somebody tells us something and we've been taught it for maybe 18 years, then we're gonna believe that until we look it up ourselves and do the research ourselves. And that's what led me to all these different things, because I started looking at things from something I was told, like, let's say, I don't know, the 1969 moon landing and rewatching the video and going, hmm, you know, this, a lot of this is very, very comical. You know, like it's 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 literally like a, a, a stage. And I yeah. think we have to look at things from every angle and revisit them. Kind of like when you look up the Frank Lloyd plane that never landed you know, the, 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 or the, yeah, the, the first, the Wright brothers, when they created their first airplane, the videos show them never landing and the people not even looking at the airplane, you Mm -hmm. know, so it's kind of like, there's something quite confusing and quite odd about all of this. And we should ask questions about everything we've been told.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I I really appreciate the deep diving you've done into history, because at this point, I'm, I just don't even know what's true and what really happened and what didn't happen and what's nonsense and what's real. But one of the things that I've heard you talk about in terms of history is that there are these periodic resets, like times when it seems like entire populations get wiped out and architecture and cultures and technologies. And then there's this like restart. So I'm curious if you think that this period we're in now, if we are in another reset.
1: So this is an interesting one, because there's a lot of awareness happening at the same time. And I feel like more awareness happening than maybe in the past, just because our technology was limited at that time. We had newspapers and radio, and whatever was broadcast on the newspaper and radio pretty much dictated people's lives. I think the internet has really opened our eyes to a lot of things. I mean, even everything with 2020, I mean, people started realizing when they started making up all kinds of rules and putting stickers on the ground, you know, things didn't add up to what we were being told and then just whatever the, you know, other charades that they tried to pull. Um, But I don't know if that would be the same in, for example, the 1970s because they did pull a very similar thing in the 1970s. Now with the 1976 swine flu nonsense, But with the the whole situation, you know, I see it in multiple things because there have been incidents which occurred, like things that just happened in Hawaii, you know, things that are happening in Morocco. There's things that are happening in Canada with, like, fires and hurricanes and earthquakes and things like that. And a lot of those, when you dive into history, you start to see that certain cities, when you get into the 1860s to the 1900s, you'll see that a lot of these cities suffered from a hurricane, a fire or some great flood. That's pretty much what it was. And they would get hit multiple times, and it seems like they went through a reset. Now, I think it's very hard for them to pull off an entire reset on all of the population and the entire world at the same time, just because of the access to the internet. At least that's my opinion. But we are living in a very interesting time because there are little mini things occurring. And even the same thing you know, with the 2020 situation that was a time in which almost like society started traveling in two different ways one way which is believing that the germs are jumping all over and staying in that narrative and and remaining in the, kind of like in the past of what we've been told and then the separation which has occurred which is kind of i feel like what led me to you and our conversation today is like this other side which is almost like you know society going in two different ways so we can see it as almost like there's a Kind of a reset happening on one side, but then an awakening happened on the other side. And it's kind of like two, I guess, parallel timelines happening at the same time. And that's how I kind of see it today. Rather than in the past, I feel they could get away with a lot more and do a lot more nonsense. And then those would result in the very large resets we saw, for example, World War One, World War II, and then all the other you know, great fires or great hurricanes or great floods and things like that
0: mm-hmm yeah I, I I tend to see things similarly um and you know some people talk about this bifurcation of society and that you know some people are going into the new earth and some people are going into this AI ruled techno dystopia and we're just gonna be living two different in two different worlds basically and I, I can imagine that possibility um and it, it's interesting with the internet because I feel like that is such a Maybe a double-edged sword, where we've been in this heyday of like, hey, information all over. We're we learning so much, and I feel like I've, you know, just learned a ton even over just the past couple of years. Um, my mind be- has been blown in so many directions, and now there's now there's talk of increased censorship. Um, and I maybe, you know, rumors about shutting down the internet altogether. And then when it comes back, it'll be a very different place and much more controlled. And the fact that so many people now are so disconnected from each other in real life, so that if the internet goes away, or cell phones go away, or are extremely limited, then are people going to be able to, you know, have those connections that they need to survive. So it's, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out.
1: I think also, too, there's a very fine line of what can be done, because also, too, if they were to disconnect everything tomorrow, then what would happen is is after some probably some chaos like you were just describing, people would then realize, hmm, wait a minute, life's kind of better without all of this, maybe, you know, so you kind of have like this it's it's yeah, it's like a weird situation because, you know, if you think about it, let's say the technology is constantly keeping people under a spell in which they can't see the truth. But then now if that breaks the spell, because like uh, there was an example of somebody who commented on one of my videos about a, a couple of weeks ago, they said that their Wi-Fi went down for two weeks and they said they have never felt the best that they have ever felt before. <laughs> they said they were totally relaxed. They slept the best. Their brain felt the best. You know, they woke up amazing and they were like, this kind of changed my whole life because it's kind of been gone for two weeks now. And now I'm going to always kind of, you know, always turn it off and always figure out how I can, you know, hardwire it and things like that. But it's just interesting because just like that, it instantaneously breaks up, you know, the, the, the nonsense. So I think like two, even with the 2020 thing and everything kind of coming to a standstill, it kind of did that too. So I think there's a very fine line for stuff that they can kind of pull And you just saw something similar in Vegas, I believe. They had something with the casinos and everything else. But then it it forced people to get out of the casinos and go do something else. And then that kind of like breaks the whole, well, maybe I don't need to do this anymore, you know? And it really, if you have enough of those splits, then you kind of break off and create something new. And I think that's kind of how I look at everything that we kind of deal with and face, Because it would, like I said, if they they did try to pull something to such an extent where everything is gone, well, then your whole system loses control too, because that's what they're all about. They're trying to have this control, but humans just don't (laughs) abide by control. It's just the magic of how we are. You know, it's like, we don't, if you want to put me in a box, I'm not going to stay in the box. I'm going to figure out how to leave the box and then tell my friends how to get out of the box, you know? So I think it's just this, uh, it's a very interesting thing. And that's why I say it's almost like two you know, parallel timelines at the same time, but I see so many people moving towards the side of being like, yeah, a lot of this doesn't make any sense anymore. You know, and I think it's because so much has been thrown at the people in such a short amount of time and continues that people are like, this doesn't make any sense. You know, my weather never used to look like this. Like I didn't have this many cloudy days or things like, you know, things that start to add up and people start asking questions. And I I think it's a, it's a combination of a little bit of everything.
0: Mm hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I start to think after every latest outrageous event, like what happened in Maui, I just think, oh, everyone's got to wake up and see this now it's gotta, it's gotta happen. And then I, I keep being a, a bit disappointed by that. Um, because what I was noticing, in, you know, starting in 2020, with the the whole COVID psyop, is that the the split was not, it's not that people aren't intelligent. I mean, I know plenty of very intelligent people who went along with it. And it seemed like part of the split was people who really want to be free and people who are okay with being controlled and and told what to do. There's kind of this um, conditioned slave mentality um, that is, you know, this program that's been implanted in at least some of humanity and People want to be told what to
1: do. There's definitely a combination of both paths, you know, and I've seen that. And I sometimes, you know, I've had people where even like I said, I'll, I'll, I'll explain something, show something, and they will still, you know, I don't know, get defensive about it and attack or whatever it may be. But I also think that that's also can be a defense mechanism as well, where they're, it's breaking their bubble. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, as society or as humans, I should say, it's kind of like if you were put in a very scary situation and you were traumatized, you know that trauma will hold with you until you release that trauma so you know i we could see it as too as the people have been put in such a traumatizing state, and there are you know a lot of people who are very let's say af- afraid of germs and whatever it may be, so they're put into such a traumatized state so they're almost permanently in that trauma you know so that trauma has to be released so that they can kind of see through it but Yes, there's definitely both sides. And I feel like, but that's that's always how it is. There's polarity and everything, you know, positive and negative. And even when you get into energy, there's, you know, positive and negative creates a battery. So, you know, I feel like it's everything on what we're kind of going through or experiencing with life is really just like this learning experience that we're all supposed to go through at this time of this timeline. Because if it wasn't I don't know why else we're doing
0: it you know <laughs> that's what to <Right>. describe it. <laughs> right. and I, and I think that's a great point about trauma I think that's that's absolutely right and that's probably at the at the core of what's going on that we have a population that is very traumatized and it's very easy to control people who are traumatized and it seems like part of the the narrative that reinforces that trauma or reinforces the fear is this narrative of scarcity that we're constantly bombarded with. We're running out of water. It's not gonna be enough food. We're running out of gas. We're running out of energy. Um, And you talk about abundance a lot, which I totally appreciate, and the fact that we actually live in an abundant universe. I think it's really interesting that you get fact-checked, i.e. censored, when you talk about abundance. So why do you think scarcity is such a useful narrative for those who do seek to control us? And how how do we shift into a state of abundance ourselves to counter that narrative?
1: So I think the scarcity thing is really pushed because, like you said, it's keeping people in that traumatic, traumatic state so that they think that things are running out. And then as they think that things are running out. These people who are trying to be in power can then try to usher in different types of rules and control mechanisms and taxes, because that's usually what it always follows with, you know, and and measures of like how you shouldn't you shouldn't water your garden anymore because, you know, we're running out of water, which is like, well, I shouldn't be independent and grow my own food. I would think that's sustainable, you know, so that doesn't make any sense that I would stop doing that. But I think, you know, they use this fear and and I've seen it on everything. You know, you can go on YouTube and it's interesting because these platforms will reward the fear. Mm -hmm. They won't reward knowledge or awareness. They'll reward fear and they'll keep trying to push that because like we were talking about, if these people are put in a traumatized state, then they'll they'll gravitate towards the fear and be like, oh, my gosh, you know, if we're running out of water, I got to report my neighbor, you know, and then what happens is, is you have this whole a whole community which goes against each other and you create this divide and conquer strategy without even implementing any type of like, you know, I guess prison system because the people are doing it to themselves. They're imprisoning one another and then becoming, you know, like, uh, the controlling one another, trying to tell them this narrative. And as I started getting into all these topics related to energy, water, food, you know, all these things, which are all abundant. And it's just absolutely remarkable how much of everything that we have, you know, I started to realize that once, you know, the truth on these things, it's like, wow, you know, that was quite the playbook, you know, of trying to put us into fear and trying to make us, you know, be in a fearful state, because when you're in a fearful state, you're not using logic You're not thinking outside the box. You're not thinking, you know, from every side. You're just, I'm in a survival mode and I need to survive. And we saw that in 2020 where people were attacking people and doing all kinds of crazy things because they were in a survival state. Now, they're all probably still alive today and everything's probably perfectly fine, but people were put into a survival state. Now, when we get into abundance... It's fascinating because when I was looking at the Chicago 1893 buildings that were used to be present in Chicago, the word abundance used to be all over the buildings. Mm -hmm. And I thought that's really interesting because you never go on, you never go downtown to any city and see the word abundance on the wall. You either see some maybe sales and marketing or something of something that's trying to be sold to you or just some murals and things like that. But you never see anything uplifting and bringing you to a positive state. And that's because that state challenges all the, the, the narrative in which we've been shown, you know, of the fear and the scarcity. And it was interesting because when I got into, for example, just learning about the oil and how oil is abiotic, you know, it's never running out. I had many people reach out to me about the oil rigs and they were telling me how the oil rigs just fill themselves back up after a week. We just come back and pump them up. You know, they change the prices all the time, but we have unlimited oil. And it was interesting because that was fact checked, you know, when I was showing that and giving testimonials of people who work with oil and people who are in the Middle East showing oil just pouring out of the sand. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like, here you go. You know, we have unlimited and anybody who doesn't believe in it, you've been, you know, brainwashed by the nonsense. And then when I got into the whole water situation, I got into the book, New Water for a Thirsty World and the primarywaterinstitute.org and both of those bu- those books and information uh, websites both instantaneously debunk the whole running out of water. You know, we're always focused on this water that's coming down from above with the rainwater, but we're never focused on the water that's coming out of the earth. And a perfect example of that is the other day there was an earthquake in Morocco, and now all of a sudden there's water pouring out of the earth. And that's the water that's deep underneath us, the primary water that we were never taught about. So we always get fixated on the air and the airwaves and these frequencies in the air, but we're never focused on the ground. And it's interesting cuz Nikola Tesla was all about being in the ground. But when you get into the water situation, you see that we're never running out and that there's so many resources have shown even that there's oceans underneath the ocean. Mm-hmm. You know, so how can we run out of water if there's so much water underneath the water? And then, you know, the other one that's an interesting one is the food. You know, they said that we need we need GMOs and Monsanto and DDT is good for me, you know, that whole narrative that they try to tell us and everything. But in reality, I've seen with electroculture abundance of people's gardening, just using some copper and some wood and tapping into the ether. And it dates back all the way to the 1835 Royal Agriculture Society talking about electroculture and writing essays on it. And you look at a lot of these old world buildings, and they used to have copper, which was attached to the lightning rods and weather vanes, which were on top of the building. And the copper would run down into their garden, which was designed with sacred geometry, and it would flourish and go crazy. And when you get into this topic, you see how large food can be and how abundant everything can be. You know, so we're always, like I said, put into these fear states of these things are running out. But in reality, I've re- learned it's quite the opposite. And it seems to be the most fact checked information is talking about abundance of all of these things. Because if we're in that fear set or that that mindset of, of scarcity, then they can control things and tell you not to grow your own food, not to go out and, and go dousing and maybe get some water. You're not, not learning, to, you know, research into the different patents of free energy and harnessing atmospheric energy. You know, all these things kind of fall on the ley line and then we give our power to somebody else who's trying to dictate or usher in whatever nonsense they're trying to pull.
0: Right. Yes. Well said. And so the fact that electroculture was being used over 100, what, well, 200 years ago, almost, um, where did it go? <laughs> why? Why did that become a lost technology?
1: So I think through the, through, through the time, I mean, you know, if, if, if there was a lot of resets that occurred, like we were talking about those hurricanes, fires and floods, then you have a lot of wars, you know, and those during those times, a lot of information is lost, you know, and a lot of books usually go missing, too. Um, I only found some of these books because they were in archives on the Internet. Otherwise, you know, some of these newspaper articles and some of these books, they don't exist anymore. And then they would write a new book, and that new book would say here's your new farming practice and we see a lot of that with the world fairs with the world fairs acting like resets where they would reset all of this free energy ether technology you know beautiful buildings that harness the energy and all of this abundance and they would reset that and then they would write a new narrative of this is how you're going to farm this is how you're going to grow food you know you're going to use more iron you're not going to use copper as much anymore you know, you're you're going to switch the whole role. And then through a periodic, I guess, you know, timeline of every 10 years as a reset almost kind of, you know, the information was slowly, gradually lost because then we become dependent on the chemical farming and then using all the iron, iron, iron. And if nobody is creating another side, you don't see it. You know, and that's why I feel like when you get into Victor Schauberger's work and seeing some other side, you know, all of his information was lost because people were getting kickbacks. They didn't want to promote any of his information because they were getting kickbacks from the fertilizer companies. And they were telling farmers that if they use copper in their soil, that they would yield too much food and not make enough money. You know, so a lot of things kind of were lost because of silliness like this. But that's where I realized, like, it's it's quite the opposite of what we've been told, you know, because everybody was having abundance.
0: Yes. And what is the effect of iron in the soil.
1: So what I've noticed is is as Victor Schauberger talked about, that iron would basically it would diminish the magnetism of the soil. So it would kind of like gunk everything up and lead to all this rust and decay. And it's interesting because when you think of like your you know cast iron pans, if if tap water touches a cast iron pan, and I say that because it seems to be tap water rather than uh, well water, but if tap water touches the iron pan then rust and all of this you know this this dark decay kind of all starts forming and if you take that iron and you keep putting into the soil and you keep creating all this heat and then you keep creating all this rust and this decay into the soil then over time your soil just kind of becomes lifeless because it's all blocked up because energy cannot flow so when copper is put into the soil it balances out that those those blockages which are occurring because as I got into everything with copper, it's increasing the electrical conductivity and same with humans or as, uh, us as a society. If we don't have con- conductivity, we're just not here. So same thing goes with our plants, our animals and all of these things, but iron actually works against us in the in the soil way, It's and, 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 and we should be using things like brass, copper and bronze in the soil because that's what Victor Schauberger showed was the most effective and most efficient at increasing the electrical conductivity, and then also allowing us to not have to use as much water. Mm-hmm. Because when we have all this iron going into the soil, it gets all clumpy. The water sits on top. You know That's what results in this the floods that we see as well, too. But when you're using a lot of copper, the water will pretty much go right into the soil and start to hydrate the soil and the plant at the same time. So it's, it's quite the inversion of like what goes in and what goes out. But the the best video I ever saw was there was a lady who had an iron shovel and there was a late, uh, the lady who had a copper shovel and she goes to stand on top of both of them to try to put them into the soil and the iron shovel, she can't even budget to get it into the earth. And the copper shovel just slides in like, like a glove, Mm. you know, so it's like, we could be working you know, easier or less, you know, less hard if we were using a lot more copper and these beautiful alloys versus this iron just doesn't seem to want to go into the soil. So it's like, why would we be then using that? You know, it it doesn't make a lot of sense.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm just so grateful to you for bringing out this lost technology. And I know there's other people who are now talking about electroculture too, but I feel like you've really been such a pioneer and leader in re, reanimating this technology. So let let's talk about that a little bit, just for people who aren't familiar, like how to get started with using electroculture in their gardens, which, and something I just love about this is it's so simple. Anyone can do it, kids could do it. So what, where do people start?
1: So the easiest way that they can start is they can grab a piece of wood from their backyard because that wood will sink to them. It's the same frequency as them. This was all shown with Marcel Vogel's work, if anybody wants to look into that, where he was talking to plants and understanding that plants sync up to us. And there was also some work with Baxter where they showed EKGs on plants. And when the, the person who took care of the plant got injured, the plants would actually spike on the EKG. And they would see that the plant was in pain as well as the gardener. So it's very interesting when you get into this topic, but people can look into grabbing some wood from their backyard and then just going and getting some copper wire from the local hardware store. They want to get 99.9% copper, you know, make sure that there's no plastics or polymers or anything on that. You just want bare copper. And what you're going to do is you're going to take that copper and wrap it around a stick, creating an induction coil. And you're going to have one part of that copper going up towards the air and then you're going to have the other part of the copper going directly into the ground. And you're going to take that stick and you're going to just place that as like an antenna into the into your garden. And that's it. It's very, very simple. And you kind of just let your plants do your thing. Now, you can make different heights. You know, you can make two feet, three feet, six feet. The higher you go up, the more atmospheric energy you you take in. And you can also add things like crystals for different color spectrums. Or you can also add things like stones to the top if you want. But it's a very fun thing to do, and you can get creative with it. And however you feel like creating it, you know that's what's going to fit your land, and it's just going to help amplify the energy and result in better yields, more pollinators, more birds, more bees. And I've shown some remarkable videos of people, you know, with their with the food that they've yielded. But what happened with me and kind of why I decided to try it one day was I had a moringa plant, and as I was studying um, Uh, Victor Schauberger's work. I had the moringa pot on my balcony, third floor on the street, you know, amongst the whole city and everything else. And I decided to put an antenna in it and see what happened. And instead of getting the average six inch moringa pods, I got 18 inches to 22 inch moringa pods. Wow. I thought, wow, this is quite the size change. And this is on the balcony. You know, this is this was with tap water. This is in Scottsdale, Arizona. You know, so people are aware. And I was blown away and thought, this is remarkable. You know, this would solve our, the whole food shortage nonsense they were trying to pull in 2021. And as people started trying it, started seeing the same thing. And then I had a friend reach out, which was hilarious from Orlando, Florida. And he sent me his Moringa pods and he's got me beat. His were 35 inches to 40 inches. And I thought, this is just crazy. Like, we don't even know, we have no clue, you know, the size of a plant, how large things can be you know, what the really true potential is, but just to see something that averages about six inches to be anywhere from 36 to 40 inches is just remarkable by simply putting a piece of wood and a piece of copper into the soil.
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's very cheap copper, but it doesn't cost very much wood, obviously free. So yeah, brilliant. And um, I've heard you talk about using electroculture with animals as well, like with like chickens, other animals.
1: So they've shown with uh, Justin Cristoflo's work, he has some older articles uh, that showed that you could attach the antennas to a chicken coop or to an area in which you have your animals. And that can help amplify the energy and help heal them. And he noticed there was a lady who there was a, a lady who reached out to me in Washington. She actually did this with her quail coop And she noticed that her quail started laying like two or three times the eggs and they were like full of energy. And then there's people who've done it with chickens and they've done the same exact thing. And then there's people who have actually done this in Europe where they've attached the antennas to uh, areas in which their sheep gather and their wool ends up becoming like two or three times thicker and they look like a fluffy cotton ball, you know, like roaming around. So, you know, when it comes to animals and healing, you know, we used to see these these, these weather vanes or lightning rods, as, as they've told us they are, but that's not, I've realized so that's not what they were, but th- we, we used to see these all over the place, and I've realized that all of these antennas were amplifying the energy, whether it be coming for healing or for the earth and all of these things, and we can be using them for our animals, and the most fascinating part is every time people put antennas down, their cats and dogs just sit next to the antenna,
0: yep. like I have
1: so many pictures of people's cats and dogs just <laughs> next to the antenna all day. They don't move from spot. And it's just funny because they just lay there. And I, I even started showing like uh, people had planter pots with a, their animals sitting <laughs> in the planter pot and just specifically in the antenna. And it's just, you know, between that and dragonflies and birds and pollinators and bees. And uh, there was another lady. She was showing me pictures where she had lizards sitting next to the antennas. You know, animals pick up on these frequencies. They can, they sense all of this. We have been, our, our ability to pick up on this stuff has been diminished over time because of toxicity in our terrain, but all of these animals are picking up on it and they know that this is the healthiest area for them. Yeah. So when you start doing this. You will start to notice a wide variety of new animals, birds, bees, pollinators, all types of things coming to your land because they know that it's a beautiful place and the the frequencies are very healing
0: yes absolutely my my cats as well they they cuddle up with the um the copper wires in my garden, although they're having a harder time now because it's so dense the the growth in there is so uh taken over that the cats can't find their spot but that's funny because I was thinking about I haven't used electroculture with my indoor plants yet, and I've been wanting to do that, but now hmm, if the cats are gonna they get very interested in the house plants and I, I don't want to encourage that. So we'll see, but yeah, yeah and,
1: they, and- they definitely will, will sit in the indoor plants too. And I've seen electroculture work really well with people doing indoor gardening as well, you know, and just remarkable results. Like I had a guy who was in Chicago and he was getting peppers and tomatoes before it was even springtime. And he was kind of blown away with just doing an electroculture antenna and then putting a couple quartz uh, crystals in the window and it was just remarkable so i've realized that even our whole perception of us getting food and this relates to the the, the food abundance is that we might be able to harvest food every 60 days mm. that's at least what it starts to, i've started to learn you know rather than what we've been told where it's like oh it's the harvest moon and you get your you know your your one time collection but it's like maybe we can actually get food every 60 days because i've seen it with flowers and i've seen it with plants where they'll they'll seed and blossom and seed and blossom every 60 days. So it really makes you wonder like how much we can have even indoors or outdoors or even basements. Because I had a buddy who was doing things with electroculture in a basement with potato plants and his potatoes started taking over his, his basement and were taller than the ceiling. And he's like, I don't know what to do now because I was supposed to be growing them outside or growing them inside and I got to take them outside. Mm. But I, it's really made me realize how much you know potential of beautiful energy is all around us and how we can be utilizing that to help increase our yields and have more food to share with friends and family.
0: Yes. And I even wonder, and I don't know if this is something that you've experimented with or come across, but I wonder about in terms of preserving food, would copper, like if we preserved food in a copper container or had electroculture around it, would that make a difference?
1: So with the book, Les Brown, uh, I think it's called Pyramid Energy. I think that was his book. He explained that if you take a copper pyramid and you place it on top of your counter and you place food inside that copper pyramid, it will actually preserve itself indefinitely. And he showed this with like eggs and a whole bunch of different things. And it was very fascinating because he was basically saying like the pyramid shape itself will help preserve food. And I thought that's interesting. So he was showing like how eggs, meat, all these different things would never go bad if they were placed inside of a pyramid. He also noticed that if you took a collection of pyramids made out of copper and you place things on top of it, then it would also preserve it. So he was doing like an array of like, let's say, 20 to 30 or 50 pyramids in a row, almost like a little rectangle. And he would place food on top of it and he noticed that it would preserve itself indefinitely. So when it comes to our whole refrigeration and everything that we do with the, the, the practices we do, it's like maybe we can just be using the energy and if we use certain shapes and certain you know fractal designs we probably can be just preserving things like that naturally rather than using something artificial or something that you know plays a detrimental role on our health
0: mhm oh that is fascinating that is very cool um and i've also heard you talk about the infl- like that electroculture is not only helping the earth and the the plants and the animals around but also that that energy goes back to into the sky and can actually have an impact on the geoengineering nonsense happening in our skies
1: so this is an interesting one because i put up quite a few videos on this one with uh, jim gale and a bunch of other people as well even myself i've seen where it almost looks like there's just a hole that's open in the sky and there's clouds all around in certain areas and the electroculture basically seems to be countering whatever is going up in the air because everything is energy. You know, everything's a frequency of all the stuff they're doing. A lot of the weather engineering that they're using is they use sound frequency and vibration and all these things, you know, to manipulate the air. And people can look into the Weather Modification Act of 1976, you know, for more details on this topic. But it's interesting because electric culture can be a counter towards this. And it was also interesting I talk a lot about Wilhelm Reich and all of his work with the orgone generators and his cloudbusters. And it was interesting because he was jailed, I think it was like 1956 for his work. But I think about 1950s, he created the cloudbuster. And that cloudbuster was, it's a very similar device that looks like an electroculture antenna. And it was used to counter the stuff that was going on in the air. He noticed all this like weird haze and weird skies, very dark skies, very, you know, like dark and gloomy and things like that. And when he would use this device, which was connected up to water, it would clear up the skies. And shortly after that, he was jailed. And I think that was one of the reasons he was, was because in about the 1950s or post-World War II, that's when a lot of geoengineering and weather engineering began. You know, they started doing a lot in Vietnam too. You know, people can look into that as well. But when you get into these, these things, we, there are counters we can be doing on the ground and there was another fellow called Trevor James Constable, and he talked about ether, ether engineering, and he did things with just simple pipes, and noticed that pipes can help clear up the air. He would attach them to his car, he would drive down the street, and he would clear up the weather. Mm. You know, So we have a lot of true potential on the ground that we just don't know of, and I, it made me start to realize that. If every person or a majority of people started taking part and just creating little antennas and placing them onto the ground, it would balance things out. Because when we look at a lot of those buildings we were talking about in the beginning with the old world in the 1890s and things, they had antennas all over them. You know, you think of cathedrals, they have thousands of antennas on top. And you start to wonder, well, maybe those were balancing out the atmosphere rather than collecting lightning, because why would you put a thousand on top of your building? You know, if you were fearful of lightning. But now if you could use those same frequencies that are coming from that building to heal the atmosphere and heal the skies or help balance things, then those kind of make sense why they were trying to take all those off. And usually the first thing they remove from the buildings.
0: Mm, That's so fascinating. You know, and it makes me think, like I know um, Mitch, the orgone donor, uh, will take orgone devices and put them around cell towers to balance out the energy. It makes me wonder if anyone is trying that with uh, copper.
1: So his, his cloud busters that he uh, created as well are mm-hmm. made from copper. So uh-huh. he actually, his, his pipes and all of his earth pipes and everything that he does, they have uh, copper in them with quartz. Right. He's a great soul. One of my great friends as well. He's up in Sedona, beautiful person working on a lot of things to help, and provide solutions and he has tutorials and all kinds of things for people to see how to make things but yes you know there 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 can be so many things done on just the the grassroots level or the local level to help heal and elevate our terrain and that's kind of what we're doing you know because we're we're in a constant if we go into it a constant battle of trying to elevate our terrain and you know there these people are working hard to try to flip the terrain you know and like you said flip the weather because places which you know maybe have one type of weather are now having the opposite, which mm-hmm. doesn't really happen, and in, and especially in such a short period of time. But he has some great work, and I highly recommend everybody check out his website with Mitch the Orgone Donor. So much information on there and things for people to learn about.
0: Mm-hmm. And just in our in our final few minutes, I'm curious if there are other. I mean, I know you you have a lot of great information and practices and products. What besides electroculture? What are some of your other favorite um, resources or suggestions for people to create a more you know create a healthier terrain for themselves or in their environment?
1: So there's a few things that people can do, and we can just go through a very simple list so that people can kind of elevate their terrain starting tomorrow. First and foremost is obviously going out into nature, barefoot grounding, connecting with the earth, because nature will pretty much give you all the information that you're ever seeking. I mean, it's, it's, it's always around us and it's always trying to heal us. You know, it's, it's, I mean, if I look outside, I see these flowers, they're trying to invite you out there. You know, they're just trying to, they're, 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 they're beautiful and they're mesmerizing and there's all this beautiful energy coming from them um, in in the form of fractals, which is what's so captivating about them. But going out into nature and barefoot grounding, what I would say, one of the first things, the next one I would say is you can utilize different types of superfoods, such as shilajat. Shilajat is great at, pulling out toxins from the body, providing the body with 84 of 102 minerals and getting the body back into homeostasis. Our food is missing a lot of minerals nowadays because of all the chemical farming and shilajat can be a great solution at providing trace minerals and fulvics back into the body to get the energy going in the body. Because a lot of the times our body is having a struggle because it doesn't have the, the nutrients to turn it into energy. So we start having like chronic fatigue, inflammation, digestion issues and things like that. And as we bring those minerals back, we should begin to heal. The next one I would say, which is, you know, very vital is opting for an all organic diet. So you're not bringing a lot of pesticides and heavy metals into the body and diminishing the life force energy. That's a big one because they, they can cause a lot of blockages. And then the next one I would say is you can look into structuring or vortexing your water, which is very fun and a very fun topic to get into because our water, uh, structured water can be very beneficial to our gardens. And to our health, because if there's no structure, then there's no life. So, you know, that's a really fun one to go into. And then the last couple that we have, just to kind of really kind of elevate ourselves a little more, removing Wi-Fi from the home and hardwiring your devices. Very simple to do. There's simple tutorials that it takes about five to 10 minutes, but just so that you're not having these frequencies that were are outside your home, also inside your home you know, because those frequencies are pinging 24-7, 365, and they can lead to sleep disturbances, brain fog, and all these other issues. And there's really no reason to bring it in the house because a hardwired connection or a wired connection is actually 100 times faster. So, you know, it, it doesn't make a lot of sense to have everything kind of pinging these unwanted frequencies. And then the last two, I would say that people can do just to kind of elevate their health a little more is switching from the LED bulbs, which emit a lot of radio frequencies and can harm the eyes, to the old school incandescent bulbs. They're very soothing. And they're great for reading books, You know, because if we have a light spectrum that's impacting our eyes, we're not going to be able to read too many books. So incandescents are a great one. And then the last one is looking for natural fiber clothing, Mm. such as linen, such as hemp, such as wool, such as cashmere, all of these emit a beautiful healing frequency versus the plastic polymers and polyurethanes and things like that. And when you begin to, for example, wear linen, you'll notice that your body won't gather any static and you'll start to sleep better at night, like linen sheets, because you can't gather any static on the body, which is another unwanted um, you know, side effect of all of this, like we were talking about electromagnetic smog and frequencies and radio frequencies is a lot of unwanted static. So the linen can be a great solution for that. But these are just a few couple things that people can do to kind of just elevate their home. And it's just baby steps, you know, one step at a time, little things at a time to help elevate their frequency and just try doing one thing at a time, seeing how you feel. And then if you feel better, tell others, because that's the magic is when we tell others and inform others, I've been doing this and it's been making me feel better we start to elevate our whole entire community or our family and friends all at the same time. Um, you know, all, sorry, all at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Those are fantastic suggestions. And I, the, the information about linen was new to me and I am planning on ordering some linen sheets. <laughs> I think that will help my sleep. I'm really excited about that. Um, so let people know how they can find you.
1: So you can find us on CultivateElevate.com, and we have a whole plethora of information on there with our blogs and an electroculture page. We also have a Telegram and YouTube at Cultivate Elevate, and I put a lot of the information we've talked about today in there with different videos. And in our Telegram channel, we show a lot of people's gardens and just a whole bunch of different topics, because what a lot of people don't know is all of the information in which we just presented today, You know, a lot of this information gets censored for just talking about it, just giving another side. So I do try to focus a lot on putting things up on Telegram so that people can have access to all of that information and see another side so that, you know, they're not having to have a biased opinion or biased view on something and can see something else so that they can be aware of things. So you can find us on all three of those.
0: Mm -hmm. Wonderful. And, you know, I I just really want to give a shout out to your electroculture page on your site. It's so clear and detailed and everything you need to know to get started with using it. Uh, it's just an excellent resource. And I know you also have some really beautiful high-integrity products on your site, um, pearl powder and the chulige, I can't pronounce it, shulishy. Um So um, yeah, highly, highly recommend those to people as well. So thank you so much, Matt. It's such a pleasure to get to talk with you. And I'm just really grateful for all the beautiful contributions you're making to the world and bringing this information out.
1: I'm happy to put it all out there and just, you know, provide, like you said, a different alternative, you know, because I feel like when I had my health issues and all the other issues that I was suffering from, you know, it was always very one-sided. Everything was very, it's genetic, it's this, you're getting older, things like that. But in reality, I realized that my terrain is dictating my health. And when I started to look at the root cause of things and what's actually causing things, it's very different than what I was taught and what I was told.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so empowering to to start doing your own research and taking charge of your own health because there is so much we can do. And so often the, the message from God, the doctor is, there's nothing you can do. Uh, you're, you've got this condition for it the rest of your life and you're gonna take this pharmaceutical for the rest of your life, which isn't really gonna help anything <laughs> um, or make you feel better. So yeah
1: yeah i completely agree they're very it would be you know the the topic is anti-life products so it doesn't make a lot of sense that it's going to be very life promoting Mm -hmm. if it's you know if it if it has the word anti in the beginning of it you know and it's just it doesn't make a lot of sense but yes there are definitely solutions and biggest thing is always fear over solutions and that's what cultivate elevate is based on
0: Mm -hmm. beautiful well thank you again matt and keep doing your great work and we're so grateful that you're out there
1: Thank you for having me on.